0: But hey, I love what God is doing down in the Phoenix area uh, with Garden Church. I was down there uh, two Sundays ago, and then I, I met somebody down there, uh, and I went back this past Monday to capture his story on video. It's a story of what God is already up to in that city, something that God is using you all to, to accomplish, and you don't even know about it. Yet, all right? But you do not want to miss next week. It'll just blow your mind. I'll say this, and then I'll get into next week's teaching. But if this describes you, okay? Or if you have someone in your life, and this describes them, who who thinks that they have done something. Now what, the room's gonna get really quiet. You think you've done something, or they've done something so bad, so wrong, so shameful. Someone who believes that they have let down and disappointed every person in their life. Someone who has concluded that God must hate them. Based on what's going on with their life right now, do everything you can do to make sure they're at one of our campuses. Or if, if you're watching somewhere in the world online, then you you form a party at your house or whatever, and you get them over to, to your house. Do whatever. You, promise them lunch. Promise them, you know, a, get, buy them a car. I don't know. Bribe them. All right. Do everything short of illegally kidnapping them. And if you have to. Pray through it, you'll be forgiven. Do whatever, all right? To make sure that they are part of next weekend. It is literally, Easter is literally the most important weekend of the year in all of Christianity. I promise you, I promise you, it has the potential, all right? I know what, I know what the, the bands at all of our campuses are, are, pre- are preparing. Our video team is preparing. I know what, what the talk I'm gonna give. It has the potential to change lives and change families forever, no matter how broken they've been in the past, it can start over. All right? So be here and do whatever it is to bring whoever it is that God's putting on your heart. And whoever you're thinking about right now, that's probably them. And here's what I'm going to warn you. Don't say no for them. You know, some of you are sitting here going like, yeah, I, I've asked them before, you know, and they, all, they always say no. Okay, you don't know. And this is what we're going to talk about in a minute. You don't know what God's doing in their life. You don't know what they're praying right now. You don't know what struggle they're going through. You don't know what battle they're fighting, all right? And just that little card or just that little, hey, I know I've asked you 50 times, but do you wanna go? And this time they'll go like, oh, okay. Well, you buy me a card Whatever, all right, so, but do whatever. So, are we cool with that? Are you thinking of somebody? Just, just think about that, okay? Uh, and if you're bringing somebody with you and, and they say, the only time I can come is Sunday morning or sorry, then you come, all right? But just don't let anything uh, get in the way of that, okay? Uh, so. Sheep stories, all right? So we're in this week's sheep story for, from Jesus, all right? And uh, if you have a Bible with you, if you don't own a Bible, there's Bibles in the back of all of our auditoriums. Go and get one because it's really cool to just write in the margins over And there. There's been a lot of stuff you're gonna wanna write down. So if you have your Bible, you have a Bible app. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 19, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's one of the biographies of Jesus. But the, the story from Jesus is the perfect setup for, for next weekend for Easter. As a matter of fact, as soon as Jesus tells this story we're gonna look at today, he leaves that town and he goes to Jerusalem, where he will be arrested and crucified. that's why This is Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday that he walks into Jerusalem. This is a, a week before that, all right? Uh, so, so what comes after uh, the story is really, really important. but in context, what comes before the story is important too, the week leading up to what we 're going to look at today. So on, on the days leading up to this story, as you're finding Luke 19, all right, Jesus has repeatedly had to answer the same question, asked several different ways and. As as I study the Bible, it is one of, if not the most frequently asked questions thrown at Jesus, especially from religious people. A lot of times whenever Jesus told stories, it's because somebody asked him a question. And so, well, let me tell you a story to answer that. The question that these religious people are asking Jesus, it's not about theology, like what's your view of God, or, or about your doctrine of heaven or hell, or hey, Jesus, is it a sin to do fill in the blank? Now, Jesus got asked that question all all the time. But the most frequent question, which really wasn't a a question, it was really a criticism, was some form of this, all right? Hey, why does Jesus hang out with? Why does Jesus care about or wanna spend time with people like that? Or another thing, why does Jesus wanna be friends with sinners? Most frequent question. In the chapters uh, before Luke 19, J- Jesus tells the story of a, a super religious man who goes into the temple and he's praying and he's thanking God that he's not like and he points to a guy over in the corner, that guy. all right. He's a tax collector, he's a, he's a sexually broken man. The religious man points out to God in his prayer but really so other people that are around him can hear how and be impressed with how religious he is about how he, I give money uh, every time the offering, I give so much money here. And I, and I go sometimes days without eating just so that I can spend more and more and more time in prayer. Look at me, God, you're lucky to have me. Over in the corner, there's the other man, the tax collector, he's also praying, but he simply just goes to the corner of the, of, of the temple. He falls on his face and hears his prayer. God, have mercy on me. I know I'm messed up. I know, I know I'm a sinner. And Jesus teaches that God cares more about, God actually listened to the humility of the broken man, people like that, but God has no time for it. God will not listen to the self-righteous prayers of a religious man. God loves people like that. Another time, there's a, a poor widow that everybody says walking around, nobody cares about, about her, but Jesus points out God cares about her Later, a bunch of, of kids, uh, today we call them like next gen, all right? They run up to Jesus, all right? Because they want to be with him. And all the religious leaders go, hey, get away from him, all right? He doesn't have time for you. He has more important things, more important people than you, than you kids. And Jesus goes, hey, time out. Don't get between me and, and, and kids like this. Bring them here, right? You go away, but bring, bring them here, right? Uh, a desperate, poor, blind man is told Jesus is close by. And he calls out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the other leaders telling him to shut up and be quiet and not bother Jesus. He's doing important stuff. See, in those days, back in Jesus' day, if you were blind or poor or, or sick, all right, it was assumed that God was punishing you for some sin in your past or even that the sins of your parents, that they, they, they fell on you. It's not true, all right? Jesus asked the man, what, what is it you want me to do for you? And he just says, I just wanna see. I just wanna see again. And Jesus heals him. And, and most of the crowd is amazed. They're like, this Jesus is amazing, right? But not all of them. Someone just looking at him, just trying to pick him apart, which leads us into today's story in Luke chapter 19. It's a very, very famous story. All right. Um, I learned it as a little kid in Sunday school with a felt board. Anybody felt board people? Yeah. In the church basement. Yeah. It's a story. Some of you going, what's a, what's felt? Shut up. All right. All right. It's the story of a man named Zacchaeus, okay? And I, I learned it as a song, all right? Sing along if you know it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man. Right, so we're not gonna say any more. It's politically incorrect to even sing that. Anyway, but anyway, but whenever I think of Zacchaeus, I can't help it, I think of Danny DeVito. That's what I think of. <laughs> Nails it, right, right? Is that, like, just this, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> now I want a subway. I don't know, anyway, but. But here's, here's my ask for you today, okay? Whether you've heard this story a thousand times like me or it's the first time you're going, what was it, Zach, Zach what? All right, here's what, I want you to listen to this story through one lens today. Really through one question, because again, to the best of my understanding, and it's an answer to the most frequently asked question of Jesus, why does Jesus wanna be friends with people like that, right? And like that, means what you think, broken people, confused people, disqualified in other people's eyes, like, what, like, like sinners. Why does Jesus wanna be friends with people who sin? Well, one time, uh, trying to insult Jesus, somebody accused Jesus of being a glutton, a drunkard, and, and, and a friend of sinners, to which Jesus basically said back to him, this is my paraphrase, stay tuned, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, and we'll get to that in a minute. So the question, the filter is, why does Jesus wanna hang out with people like you? me. Lost broken people. And trust me, we'll get to the sheep part of the story at the end. So Zacchaeus, let's, let's go. You, you're going to want to take notes because this is a great, 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 great story. Okay. Chapter 19, verse one. So Je- Jesus entered Jericho and I'll unpack all this with you. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because... Danny DeVito was small in, in stature, okay? Now, now here's what we know from, the, from, the, from the, this paragraph, right? The story takes place in a city called Jericho. I drove by it back uh, last, last, last spring. It's in rubble right now, but Jericho is located like halfway between like the northern part of Israel where Jesus grew up and did most of his ministry around a lake called the Sea of Galilee and, and Jerusalem, which is further, further south. It's just, Jericho's just a few miles from where Jesus was baptized and he's passing through it, right? On the way to Jerusalem, where again, later that week, he's going to be arrested and then crucified and then come back to life three days later on Easter. So in context, the story that we're looking at takes place a little bit more than a week before Easter, which would be like today. Okay. The second thing we know about Zacchaeus is he's a chief tax collector and he's rich. Now in Jesus day, religious people, I know they do this today, but they put people in categories. That was sarcasm, all right? But the, the, the two worst categories that you could be put into were tax collectors and sinners. That's just two big categories, all right? A, a sinner could be any sin, but, but usually in Jesus' day, when they said you're a sinner, it applied to sexual sin. So like a prostitute, uh, uh, right, right so, who, who's obviously, she's a sinner, right? Uh, a person ha- who had sex with a person they weren't married to. Gay, straight, married, single. It didn't matter. You just got put into that category. So if you committed any sexual act outside of sex with your spouse, you were a sinner. And as such, the, religion, the religious people said, you're disqualified. You're on the outs of God because you're dirty. You're filthy. You're unclean right and they were, they just point fingers all the time right the other category that you got put into was called tax collector and here's why this was such a a big insult okay and this is true whether you believe in the bible and jesus or not this is history okay several years before this story takes place the roman empire had invaded and totally conquered this whole part of of, of the world now the romans after they conquered an area rome would leave a few soldiers behind to, to maintain order and no soldier in the Roman army wanted to be stationed in Israel. They wanted to be stationed in Athens or, or in Rome, big cities, not, not Israel, because Jerusalem was considered like the armpit of the world. Like, please don't send us there, right, right? But it, the place didn't matter except for that trade from the east to the west and from, the, from Africa from the south to the north had to go through Jerusalem. So it was kind of a big deal, right? So they, they would leave a few soldiers there. The other thing that Rome did was they would collect taxes from the conquered people. And in order to do this, at least in Israel, they would hire local Jewish men to serve as tax collectors. And the deal, this is, this is so good. The deal that Rome made with the tax collectors went like this. We want this much from every Jewish citizen, but you can charge them as much as you want and keep the rest for yourself. We don't care. We just want our cut. And Zacchaeus worked for the Roman government and got rich off of overtaxing his fellow countrymen. And he must have been good at it because he was not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax tax collector, which meant not only did he collect taxes from the Jewish people, but he oversaw a bunch of other tax collectors and he got a cut off of everything that they collected, which basically made him the local mob boss. Right? He was extorting the entire city. And needless to say, because of that, one, he was rich, and two, the Jewish people hated him. I don't blame him. The the closest equivalent I could come up with would be a Jewish man working for and collecting taxes for the Nazis in World War II. Not not in a cool way like Marx from from Max from Schindler's List, you know, and he was using his position to to set the Jewish people free. No, 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 no. Zacchaeus, he, he turned his back on everyone and everything he had ever come from. He turned his back on his country, his faith, his God, his family, his friends. As a matter of fact, if you keep on reading the story, we find out later the only friends that he even has are other tax collectors and sinners. Nobody else wanted him. Now, time out here, okay? Because this is what you pay me to do. I'm sitting in my office, I'm thinking about this. Why? What do you mean why? why? Why is Zacchaeus doing this? Why is Zacchaeus living this kind of life? I mean, what would cause a person to turn their back and walk away from everything and everyone that's supposed to mean something in our life. I mean, based on his behaviors, Zacchaeus would not have been allowed to go to worship, to go to the local synagogue, or be around other like good people, right? If, if he would have tried, they would have stoned him to death. They did it all the time. You can't be here. There, there's no way that his family would have claimed him. He would have been such a disgrace, such an embarrassment. They probably, if you were to ask him, they would have responded, not my son. No, 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 not my brother. I don't want anything to do with him. He's, he's horrible. He's, he's out. We don't ever want to hear from him again. What, what happens in a person's life that leads them to the point where they are ready to turn their back and betray everything in their life? And I'm pretty sure, listen, I, he's, a, he's a human being. I'm pretty sure if you go back to his, I don't know if they had high school yearbooks back then, but if you went back to his yearbook, I, I bet he didn't write in that someday. My goal is to work for the people that destroy our land and financially cheat and exploit all my friends and all my neighbors and all my parents until everybody hates me. That's the goal. Now, that's what happened though. See, I think it's important to stop and ask questions like this when you read the Bible because the reality is these are regular people just like you and me. And they all have stories. We all have stories, right? And something happened and the path that it led down led them to the life that we find them Living in the middle of all this, all right? So what's their story? What's his story? What happened? Like, like one of my other, there's a few chapters before this. There's a story of a girl who's actually caught in the act of adultery, which means this. She's, she's sleeping in some hotel room with some dude she's not married to, and they knock down the, the, the door. They haul her out. They throw her at Jesus' feet, and they start throwing Bible verses at Jesus. The Bible says that we can stone people like that, girls like that, because of this sin. What do you have to say? And then Jesus delivers that famous, that famous that line. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. But I don't, I don't want to look at that. I, here's what I want to ask. how did she get there? Let's go upstream. What happened in her life that landed her here? What's her story? Because again, I bet if you would have asked her a few years before this, she had no plan to end up here. If, if you ask her, she would have said, there's no way. I'm not that kind of girl. There's no way I would ever do that. But here she is, lying in the dirt, ashamed, naked, condemned. This is her life. I just, I don't want to move on. What happened? What happens in a person's life when we wake up one day and go like, this is my life. This is not the life that I wanted. This is not the life that I hoped for, but like it or not, this is my life. Given everything that has happened, either my fault or somebody else's fault, this is my life and I'm just stuck with it. Or or in the the words of the famous theologian, Eminem, and I'm gonna clean it up, like screw it. (laughs) Life hands you lemons and you make Lemonade. And that's somewhere where a lot of us live. This is it. Make the best of it. Which sounds really cool and kind of flippant, right? right? But, but the truth is, this lemonade, this life is sour and it's bitter. But somewhere along the line, you surrendered and you put up a white flag. and This is all it's ever gonna be. This is my life. How does that happen to us? Has it ever happened to you? You had you had ideas for your life. You had dreams for your life. You had a plan of how and what your life was gonna look like. And maybe it started great a few years ago. Good good health, good family, good income, good marriage, good parents, good education. It all started well. And then something happened and the crap hit the fan. And everything changed. You, you made a mistake. And the consequences of your decision just snowballed out of control. And it feels like now it's irreversible. And now you're always gonna be, this is my life, I'm always gonna be a victim of, of that. It happened, there's no way to undo it. Anybody been there? Or maybe, how about this? You didn't do anything. Somebody else did something to you. It wasn't right, it wasn't fair, but it landed on you. Because of what someone else did, your life took a really, really, really bad turn. And now you just can't get out from under it. And you did. You're doing right now everything you know just to survive. Including things that you swore just a few minutes ago. I will never do something like that. But that's just, all right? It's just what you have to do to survive. Can you maybe relate to that? Isn't it, isn't it crazy? So much is. All right. Isn't it crazy that we can have two th- thoughts going on in our head at the same time? I'm on meds for it, but it's not. Oh, all right. <laughs> is he really on meds? Yes, 72 milligrams. All right. So, the first voice goes like this: "I'm going to do this thing," and at the same time, this other voice says, "I hate doing what I'm doing." You have both those tapes playing in your head. I'm gonna do it, and I hate doing this. I don't wanna do this, but I, I have to do it. It's, I feel trapped, all right? It's a lose-lose situation. It's make lemonade, all right? This is it. So what happened in Zacchaeus' life? We find out that he, was, he wasn't a big guy. He was small in stature. It was, he was a little guy. So did he get picked on? Did someone pick on him? Was he always the last one picked? And When you're the last one picked, by the way, it gets the message received, You don't want me here, right? Did he get shamed? Something happened? Did they make fun of him? Or worse yet, did somebody hurt him? And he couldn't take care of himself? Abuse him? Leave him? Hold him down? Abandon him? Until eventually he was like, screw it. Time to look out for myself. I'll show them who's the little guy now. Who's got the money now? Who's got the power now? Me, that's who. I'm just processing my own crap out loud. You all know that, right, right? How many regrets do I have in my life that can be traced back to, yeah, I'll show them. I'll show him, I'll show him. I'll prove to them I'm enough, I'm strong enough, I'm big enough, I'm important, which after years of therapy, the only person I'm really, really trying to convince is me. But that's another sermon for another day. <laughs> I don't know if that should be in my notes. Anyway, so let's go back to, to Zacchaeus. Does anybody relate to that at all? Just nod your head. Yeah, okay, good, all right, so let's go back to this. I want to look at this again. And he, Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he, he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for Jesus was about to pass that way. So here's the other clue we get about Zacchaeus. Besides, he's a traitor to his country and a disgrace to his family and a disqualified outcast from religion. Here's the other thing we find out. Look back at verse three again. And he was what? He was looking for Jesus. He was seeking to see who Jesus was somehow Zacchaeus had heard something about this Jesus guy and he's different than everybody else different than the people around him different than the God he had associated with the religion that kicked him out how did Zacchaeus hear about Jesus I don't know so I made it up how about this right it goes back to the, to the big question that was asked of Jesus all the time. Why does Jesus hang out with people like that? Especially tax collectors and sinners. See, if you read all those chapters leading up to this, this chapter, right? During those three years that Jesus walked around Israel, he was always showing up to, he was always being invited to have dinner and go to parties at the homes of tax collectors and sinners, and He went. He went, right? And then those tax collectors and those sinners, they would invite all their other friends who were all tax collectors and and sinners. And they would all get together and they'd talk about, hey, so the other night I had dinner with this guy and he's just different. He tells these great stories about God and about life and it makes sense. If you ever have a chance, you should check Jesus out. As a matter of fact, this story we're gonna look at next week at Easter, Jesus told because religious people had a problem with who Jesus was eating dinner with. So somehow Zacchaeus finds out that this Jesus guy is passing through the very town that he lives. And so he finds out what path Jesus is taking. He runs ahead all right, on the route, all right? He climbs up in a tree so that he can see over the crowds that normally would block his access to Jesus. And he just waits. He just wants to check him out. He just wants to see who Jesus is, at least from a distance. And that's all he ever thought was gonna happen that day. Keep reading, look at verse five. And when Jesus came to the place he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must, I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. Are you following this? Jesus walking down the road in Jericho. He walks under this tree. He looks up. sees Zacchaeus perched up there and he calls him out by name. Hey, Zach." Paraphrasing, right? Get down here. Hurry up and come down. I must, I need to stay at your house today. I need to go home with you. And Zach's like blown away, like, okay, let's go. Now, this is why this, this little part is such a big deal, right? First, in a positive way for Zacchaeus, and second, in a negative way to the religious people. See, in this culture, when this story takes place, when Jesus says, I want to go and enter your house today, when I want to sit at your table and share a meal with you, culturally, what Jesus is saying, I want to be friends with you. I want to be like close friends with you. You weren't, you didn't go into somebody, a sinner's house. All right? I want to be friends with you, which is why I, I'm sure Zacchaeus almost falls out of the tree. Like, uh, uh, oh, 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 let's okay. All right. All right. It also explains what happens next. All right. And when they, the religious people, when they saw it, Jesus going to Zacchaeus' house, they all grumbled. Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So, so basically Jesus goes into this house. He's inside having a conversation with Zacchaeus. He's building a new friendship and the religious people are outside, maybe in the front yard, having a meeting. I cannot believe that Jesus is in there with Zacchaeus. Does he know who Zacchaeus is? Does he know what Zacchaeus has done? I'm not sure what they're talking about, but I hope Jesus just given it to him about how horrible and disgusting his life is, how he should be ashamed of himself, how angry God must be with him, you know. The same thing that we Christians do all the time for the special category of sinners that we all have. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just gonna offend everybody. You know, all right? I may not be perfect, but at least I'm not gay or confused about my gender. At least I didn't cheat on my marriage. At least I'm not as greedy as her. At least I'm not addicted to pain meds. At least my kids have never done what her kids have done. We can keep going, you want to? At least I haven't you know, had an abortion. At least I haven't been divorced three times. At least I didn't lose my company. At least I didn't go to prison. At least I'm not like those people. We don't know. We, we don't know what conversations went like between Jesus and Zacchaeus, but I'm pretty sure Jesus wasn't beating him up with Bible verses about he's a failure and a disappointment and how he's disqualified. I, I'm pretty sure Zacchaeus already had that going on. But whatever they talk about by the end of the meal, this happens. Look at verse eight. Zacchaeus stood up at dinner and he said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So something happens in Zacchaeus' heart. And I I don't think that Jesus told him to do this. Just his heart just changes. He says, I'm going to give half of my stuff to, of every, I'm going to give it to the poor, which for the record, Zacchaeus, you made them poor. And then he throws this, and if I've defrauded, time out, if, Zacchaeus, there's, there's no if, everything that you have built came on the backs of you defrauding people. But let's give him some credit, all right? We see Zacchaeus is a work in progress, These are his very first baby steps of following Jesus. They're not huge steps, but they're just steps. He just knows something needs to change in my life. He knew that before he met Jesus, but until he met Jesus, he didn't know where to start. I mean, I'm in so deep, all right? He just figured it's too late for me to ever change, so just keep on doing what you're doing. There's no way to to change anything from from here, right? He felt like that. And Jesus shows up, and they have a private conversation. Zach, here's the way. Here's the way back to life. Here's the way back to the identity you were born to have, which is this, and he looks at him, look at this. He says to Zacchaeus, today, salvation has come to this house since Zacchaeus also is a son of Abraham. So this is what he says. He says, first of all, Zacchaeus, salvation is sitting right beside you. It's me, I can save you. I can give it all back. I can restore you, right? And, and by the way, and you are a son of Abraham. That's a reference to the Jewish people who are all descended from Abraham. So Jesus has just said this Hey, Zacchaeus, I, I'm here to save you, and I want you to know you're back in the family, you're in my family. So Zacchaeus had to look at him with some look on his face like, Why? I can give you a thousand reasons why not, but why would you do this for someone like? Me and then here's here it is. All right, get your cameras ready. You want, right? This is the mic drop moment that explains not only why Jesus did this for Zacchaeus, but why Jesus came to you and me in the first place. This is this is the memorizer verse, verse 10. It goes like this I'll tell you why, Zacchaeus. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In one short sentence, Jesus gives us his mission statement. The reason that he came here, the reason that he does what he does a week later on a cross and then three days later walks out of a grave. Do you want to know why I hang out with people like Zacchaeus? Do you want, you want to know why I, I stopped under that tree and said, Zacchaeus, I have to go home with you. We have to become friends. you want to know why I left heaven and came, came to earth? Very simple. For people like that, The son of man, I, I came to seek, to go and and find anybody who feels like they have to hide from God in a tree. One is, there even a chance for me? And once I find them, I want to save them. And that word save their, see, can save the lost is the Greek word sozo. It means to rescue and pull back from the edge of destruction, spiritually and and physically. It's the same word of the organization that we've done a lot of work with in Afghanistan with women and children and families, which for the record, whenever we tell people that Flatirons goes to Afghanistan, the most common response is, why? Why would you go there for people like that? Exactly. That's the, that's the accusation I want our church to always get accused of. Why do, you, why do you love people like that? Now, here's what some of you really smart people are going, so where's the sheep part, okay? All right, glad you asked, okay? Because while I have to explain this to us in 2023, the religious people listening to Jesus knew exactly what Jesus was referencing when he said, I have come to seek and save the lost. Because the rest of the thought that Jesus didn't have to say, but they knew, was this. I have come to seek and save the lost that you lost. See, the religious people all prided themselves on knowing the Bible. And they knew Jesus was referencing a chapter out of one of their own prophets named Ezekiel. If you want to find it in your Bible, Ezekiel 34, or just follow along. It's really, a, not just, it's a prophecy and they now realize, Jesus, you're applying that to us. You're talking about us, religious leaders who have been charged with shepherding the people of God. So I'm, I'm gonna read this off the screen. And you're gonna go, I don't understand that, I don't understand that. But you'll get the gist of it, all right? This is Ezekiel, right, hundreds of years before Jesus, the prophet, and he's speaking about what's going on and what's gonna happen. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the religious leaders of Israel. And I, I, I'm going to take liberty here. And I think you could take a lot of the truth here and go self-righteous Christians. Okay. I, I, if I'm wrong there, then I'm wrong. But I think you're going to see some parallels. Okay. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, and you do not feed the sheep. The weak, you have not strengthened. The sick, you have not healed. The injured, you have not bound up. The strayed, you've not brought back. The lost, you have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. Is everybody following this? Basically, God is saying, I trusted you, spiritually mature people, to, to feed and care for my sheep, my people to take care of the weak and the sick and the injured and the lost. But instead of taking care of them, you're the one beating them up. You're using them. You're eating them alive. You're exploiting them for your own good. Make you feel better about something. So this is what happened to the sheep, verse five. So the sheep, they were scattered because they had no shepherd and they became food for the wild beasts. They're getting eaten alive in this world. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. God says this to the religious leaders. You're supposed to take care of my sheep, but instead you hurt them and they ran from you and they scattered. So here's what's gonna happen. So so self-righteous religious people, this is what's gonna happen. Verse 11, skip down. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I'll seek the lost. I'll bring back the strayed, I'll bind up the injured, I'll strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong, I'll destroy you, I will feed them in justice. So what Jesus told Zacchaeus, but also the religious self-righteous shepherds, what God promised through Ezekiel, Jesus says, it's me, I'm here, I am the good shepherd. And people like that, who are lost and broken, many of whom are broken because they didn't have a shepherd who would love them and take care of them and lead them, well, I'm here now, I'll be your shepherd. I'll look out for them when when you tell them that there's no hope for people like them and that they aren't wanted. I want them. I find them. I'll save them. I want them back in my life. I want them back in the flock that they were meant to be a part of, my flock. I want them back in my family. This is Jesus talking. So let let me land the plane here in both of these stories, all right? The the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector and sinner. He's the lost sheep. And the story from Ezekiel of the religious self-righteous who have taken it upon ourselves to actually punish and push sheep away from God. Here's my question Which one are you? Whenever he tells a story, you have to identify with one of them. So, what is, who, which one are you? are you? Are you the lost sheep? As you, as you listen to the last 30 minutes, thinking that your mistakes and your brokenness have disqualified you from, from a shepherd, a God who must really be angry at you, must be so disappointed. In you, you should have known better, and he's waiting to punish you and send you away. And you're just sitting there, so why even try? Is that you? Or are you a, a religious shepherd who, who has taken it upon yourself to distract from your own sins and mistakes by pointing your finger at people like that and being part of the reason that they will never find out that Jesus loves them or wants them or can give them back what they have lost. He really can seek and save anybody. So let me talk to the lost sheep. The whole week's for you next week. Please hear this. The reason Jesus left heaven and came to earth is to, to find you. To look for you and to save you from the very thing that you th- have concluded would make him not want you or love you. The reason that you think God couldn't love you is the very reason that Jesus looked at his father and then looked at you and said, I wanna go for her. I wanna go for him. I wanna save him because I'm a good shepherd and I love him. If you don't hear anything else he's talking about you to the self-righteous people who have specialized in finger pointing and pushing people away from Jesus and I'm gonna put myself in this because I kind of had an aha moment that I've really drifted towards religion I'm going call this: we need to repent we need to think about all this differently we need to think about church different Listen, I, I know. Listen, I grow, I've grown up in church, all right? I've, I'm as church as you can get, all right? Listen, here's what I know about churches. Churches hurt people. And this one has. I don't think we meant to. But we've hurt people. Like, I can sit up and go, I'm sorry. It's just so kind con- of... So it's, we cannot change the past. But you know what we can do from this point on? We can build a good one. We can build a good church. What do you mean by that? A good one that says, come. Everything that you wanted Jesus to say to you. Come, all you who are weary and are just tired, all you lost and broken and confused, lost from God or just lost in life, lost in marriage, lost in finances, lost in parenting, lost in health, lost in addiction, broken in your emotions, and your memories, broken in your relationships. So Jesus is a church that says, come to me, the good shepherd, and I will give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll, I'll take you to a green pasture and you can lay down. You can have still water. We, we, we could do that. We could build that church. I, I, I wanna spend the rest of my life building that church. That's a church I want you to feel safe to invite the people in your life into next weekend because whoever it is that God is bringing into your mind right now, they are going through something. There's some mom sitting at her kitchen table right now. just I don't know if I can do this anymore. There's some dad or some husband. He's got a secret. And it's crushing him. And they're going through something and they, 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 they tell you, oh, I'm an atheist. I don't even believe in that, all that religious crap. But you know what? They're sitting or laying in their bed right now, kind of hungover from last night, right, right? And you know what? They're going, God, if you're there and if you care, I need something. We've all prayed that prayer. What they want is they same exactly, I just want to see Jesus. It's from a distance, that's all. And they don't even know what it means, but maybe next week, is the week that Jesus passes under their tree and says, you and me, we, we gotta become friends. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, which is why we have Easter. He found you and me, he saved you and me, which is why we're building a church where Jesus can keep on doing the same thing. Are you in? Let's go. All right, now, now here's what we're gonna do right now, okay? We're gonna teach you a new song. All of our camps are gonna teach you a new song, and I want you to just consider this next five minutes as choir practice, Because we're going to sing this next week when I'm done teaching. And then people line up in all of our auditoriums and give their life to Christ and they're baptized. And the name of the song is called Homecoming. And it's... It's that... Shoot. um, It's that moment. Remember the moment that you turn your back your face back towards Jesus and you expected wrath and you got grace and you expect him to, to, to rehash your sin. And instead, what he said was welcome home. That's the church. I, I want to be a church that I don't care who you, who you are, where you come from, what's been done to you, what you've done to other people, welcome home, right? Welcome home. Let's stand up and all our, stand up. All our games to stand up. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm not sorry. So God, in this moment right now, I pray for two groups of people. First of all, I pray for us religious people. We would just get out of the way. We would open up our arms and open up our hands, kind of point them towards you and go, will you forgive me? Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And I have actually been a closed door between you and some people that really need to find you. And I don't know how to be different, but just, God, just, I changed my mind about, About some people like that. Because I is a person like that. (laughs) And without your grace and mercy, I'd just be lost. But you came and you looked for me and you found me. And I'm nobody's savior, but I can make an introduction and leave the rest to you. And so, God, I just pray that whatever you're putting on our hearts right now, that we would just get up out of this these rooms and wherever we are and just say, Okay, I'm gonna put that into practice. But I especially pray for anybody here who goes, I'm just lost. I'm just barely hanging on. I have a list of thousands of reasons why God should just be done with me and why Jesus shouldn't love me. And, and if the people sitting around me knew what goes on in my life and in my mind, they would all just move away from me. And will you help convince them as only you can, Jesus, that that's the moment you would move up beside them and when I wanna be your friend. I wanna give you grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I wanna walk with you from now on. I wanna be your good shepherd. I wanna walk you all the way home. Thank you, Jesus. My good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.